So there is uh, an experience. We in our life we have a generally a center which we call ourself or experience of selfhood. Center and a periphery or a context. Things happen to me. I go out into things that around me find the center. Around me are other people. At this particular point in time, before me is the future, behind me is the past. How do I keep going? I remember things from the past and I anticipate things in the future in order to handle this experience of being in the center of something that I don't really know. For sure, I can estimate it, I can guess it, I can assume it. I don't really know. So I make all kinds of, my mind immediately makes all kinds of uh, judgments, expectations, assumptions, perceptions, memories, reminds me of, feels like this, could be that, probably that, let's hope for that. Close your eyes and go that way and wait for the crash. (laughs) There is a center which is called the me experience and around this there's a big lot of uh, (laughs) not quite sure. So of course we are generally trying to colonize what's around us to make it more... (laughs) manageable, agreeable. There's a sense and there's a what's around us. Any time uh, for any of us items from what's around us can suddenly become the centre. <laughs> Something's bothering me and it goes right into the centre. Yeah. Some fear, some happiness, some prospect something to gets activated and it goes from being out there it suddenly becomes really right in here I become that or I become in relationship to that possible joy becomes very central that possible fear becomes very central this is happening all the time isn't it we go into relationship with something we don't know it, we start to feed it, and we try to maybe bring it in, connect to it, make it central. Probably the experience we have is that it sort of is held central, and then after a while it starts to not fit properly. The person, the job, the place, the situation. It looked like it could be the one that's really going to make it for me, get right in there and, you know, and then, dang it, let me down again. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, the center is empty. Can't fill it up. That you know, emptiness is a really you know, frightening, could be frightening as a term, but actually 
emptiness is not nothing. There's a potency when we tune in to the center, there's going to be a potency, a gathering, a collectedness, a feeling that this unnameable, undefinable, not expected, not remembered, not devised. This is the Buddha called it the unconstructed. There's no sun, no moon, no day, no night, no future, no past, no self, no other. Unconstructed, undefined, unborn, unoriginated, unconditioned. So this is the best. (laughs) You know, this is where you find real peace and stability in this. But it takes some doing. Because all our systems are arranged around that process of going out and pulling in, going out and pulling in, going out and pushing away, going out and pulling in, imagining and pulling that in, hoping and reaching out, dreading, pulling up a wall against. And that movement sort of wins, sometimes it wins for a while, others it wouldn't did at all. You get a few winning shots and then, dang it, I've got to get another one. Didn't quite work. Until yeah. perhaps for over a period of time, some intuition wakes up to feeling, dang, this is stressful, you know. <laughs> this is stressful. Why? I mean, can I just kind of, oof. And then we would like to do that, but then we sort of find, okay, and then you go, the center actually isn't aware enough to sustain. So what happens is it is sort of a collapse, and then we find all the stuff in the periphery starts flooding in. You know, all the regrets, all the uncertainties start flooding, we get overwhelmed. You try and build up your center. You try to put things in it. Doesn't quite work. You let go of it, collapse. <laughs> so there's an exercise in building up center, you know, in a skillful way and reducing, refining the kind of props that are necessary to just hold ourselves in stasis, in balance, like a spring, not rigid and in balance and you're feeling the main point of a spring is how empty it is the center of a spring is empty isn't it you've got this coil of wire in the middle of it nothing <laughs> you know? the coil of wire you know the coil of whatever it is this is the, the enlightenment factors you know bojangas mindfulness and so forth are kind of supporting an emptiness and it's in that there's this ability to maintain center without filling it up and you have that sense of something that can adjust and moderate to what's going on without losing that inner emptiness and yet also able to bounce, spring, extend, soften, widen, firm up, you know, according to the pressures that are occurring. So just bear that in mind as a as a model, and so when we're doing anapana, it's sati, it's both a centering 
gathering in, which will, over time, successively, hopefully, firm up. It's also something that keeps moderating our inner tensions or ease, gives our mind something to home in on, a signal, a reassurance, a grounding. You're here, you can breathe out. You're here, you can breathe in, whatever's going on. Oi, you can breathe out, whatever's going on. Ah, you can breathe in, you know. It's very simple, you know, in a a way, almost too simple, seemingly. The center, and there's what's around us, there's context. Any time what's around us can come into the center. As we know, you know, meditation center, retreat, dhamma, tankas, buddhas, pujas. What really got me was the bean sprouts. What? What? Bean sprouts? What bean sprouts? What do you mean, what bean sprouts? The bean sprouts. <laughs> like the flowers on the shrine. You know? Touches something. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be too flip about this, but I'd just like to uh, address something that uh, can be a source of concern, you know, which uh, you know, can be very central for people. It's about the the teacher relationship here, yeah. so um, this could be have a centrality to it. So you know, obviously, a sister Meta and myself uh, teaching the retreat. So you know, who gets to say what? How does this get allocated? You know, somebody in charge. How does it work out? I've been doing most of the talking. So yeah, you know, yeah, fair enough. Um, There are all kinds of problems uh, that are felt and cause pain for all of us in the, in relation, in the relational dynamic in Sangha across the genders. It's not easy. I think only people find it easy if people are ignoring it. <laughs> you know, we've got easy answers. Most of it is a queasy sense of we don't know how to really handle all this within the context of our traditions that we take most of our support from, you know, our kind of empowerment from, to moderate, to change, how's that going to happen? I don't know, but my my sense is not in a finger snap, not overnight. Uh, that's, that's a sense, you know, how this is going to happen. My own intentionality it comes down to May I be well, may others be well. I can't really get more, you know. <laughs> it comes down to technical matters. So anyway, on this retreat, essentially, the deal was I was invited to teach a retreat. I've been teaching retreats for about 29 years. So I've taught a number of them. Not many monastics actually teach retreats, comparatively speaking. You know, if you have a group of 100, you might have five maybe. It's not something that is part of our ordination. You know, you don't get ordained in order to teach. You're ordained in order to practice and maybe dissolve. So most of it's really about there's this saying almost kind of going into the being nobody state and seeing what comes out the other end. Some people never come out the other end. 
and they're fine with that, you know. <laughs> Some of you come out in all kinds of interesting shapes. You know, you get carpenters, geek, computer geeks, you get scholars you know, and meditators. Sometimes you even get teachers. <laughs> but it's not a set thing. And, and the feeling is that that process has to be more the one that we, we do. You know, it's going into over our edges, over our personal boundaries, into this don't know. And then, you know, it's certainly what's going to come out, you know, certainly is the encouragement. You listen to the Dhamma sense of what's for the welfare of others. That's the main sense, you know, and then people offer what they can from that. Some people are better with words or better with people than others. It's just the faculty. Yeah, so anyway, I've been, you know, it's come out like this for me so far. And uh, so anyway, I've been asked to do this then, and feeling, well, you know, large retreat, get some support. We'd like to support. And a feeling it would be really nice to have a, a non support, a sense of the different tonalities and uh, that the female brings across and how. I think many of us feel that sense of the, you know, the need and the beauty of, you know, whatever you call it, a kind of feminine tonality in a form. This Theravada form is predominantly, for better or worse, it's, it's come down to the masculine, sort of the male form. Yeah. And yeah, you know, but then, so now it's really trying to find this voice for the female form. So yes, very nice. And I enjoy because I get a chance to listen and learn a bit and hear things from different perspectives. And also I can just drop out. (laughs) Which is really nice, really nice. Just going to that, don't know, who me. (laughs) Anyway, as Ajahn Mehta is part of a small setup. So far, small. Hopefully, it's going to grow in in near, in the Bay Area for for women, for nuns, and uh, you know probably you'll hear more about that at the end of the retreat, Saranaloka. Uh, so very wonderful. It's quite a new venture. The sisters have not established a separate vihara, a separate monastery, up until this time. So this is the the new thing. And in fact, it's first half year, isn't it, sister? This is really just kind of really new, fresh, finding ground, you know. So a feeling of, well, systematic come along. And in a way, just, as you know, just kind of feeling out ground, finding yourself in a situation. And I don't know how that is, really, intimately. But um, it's just there's been teaching for retreats for about four years. So actually, nowhere near the sort of experience I have in terms of, being with and articulating. Uh, so certainly chance for the sister to come along and and share and also learn, listen, feel things out, feel our own ground for our own territory with that. So as we sort of looked at all this and I take responsibility for mapping it. You know, I didn't you know, so so basically checking in Najameta, she's feeling, you know, it's your, your call, happy to support what, um, what's conducive, you know, what would work. 
So I thought, well, the first couple of days, you know, I kind of set down a line. And then as she listens in with that, this lovely quality of empathy, then speaking, so that we're actually kind of on the same wavelength. So it's kind of been up to me to kind of set down some sort of signals or signs that you should tune into. So that's how it's been for the first couple of days. And my feeling's been that once we've kind of found our ground, then it'll be more, you know, we'll share it out. Also, just in terms of, well, what do you feel like tonight? You got any juice? You know? Because we're going through a process too. You know? Are you there with it? Or do you think, oh, no, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> So it's sort of finding our way with this, and we ask your 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 trust and your empathy with with this thing, which is, you know, obviously tender for all of us. You know. And really, there are not that many people who want to teach with me. Because <laughs> I don't even know what I'm going to teach, so I can't tell anybody else because I don't even know myself. You know. Because when I teach, when I teach, and I practice, I just sit and I just kind of try and tune in to what's felt. And I speak. My head tries to speak from what's happening in the holistic sense. Does that mean anything to you? Now, holistic sense, as I get into it, isn't even just me. It's you. You become part of the holistic experience. So I'm sort of listening in, trying to feel out what's in the field, what's in the energy, what's in the movements, what's in the body language, feeling that out. I'm not thinking it. I just trust that I sit there and something starts to, you know, pick that up and then it goes through this head thing and these little words come out of the hole in the front of it. (laughs) Now, some people do classical music, you know, some people like the folk songs where you know it's going to be da 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 you know, regular, sing-along. You know what the verses are going to be. I do jazz. <laughs> so I just pick up the horn and blow. <laughs> And uh, so, if, um, you know, if that's kind of what you got into, I'm afraid. <laughs> but I do, I, myself, I, I just I speak from that love of the spirit, of the spirit of the Dhamma. You know, it's not really concocted in my head. I've got some verbal stuff knocking around in a brain that can, you know, produce this, can do this. But really, I'm trying to take the inspiration from the spirit of what arises, you know. You know, people, you know. So one of my great heroes was John Coltrane, and if you like jazz, you know, you just kind of pick up thing and just blow, you know. And you, somewhere or another there'd be a tune somewhere in there, but he'd take this thing apart and spread it out and it'd be all over the place. And then eventually it would kind of come together again. I've reined myself in a bit over the years to try and make it a little more sedate, but. So anyway, so obviously somebody trying to, you know, (laughs) blow along with that (laughs) is 
isn't necessarily going to have that easier time. So just getting a couple of days where we, f- we feel each other, sense each other, and we meet together and talk things over. And so please uh, ask for your, your trust and allowance on all that because, you know, I'd like this to be part of a solution rather than part of a problem for us. It's my, my, my deep wish we can come together. So that what's around us, the context, can become very central. Things that may not be central to some people, may be very central to others. We're all living in our own patterning of hurts and misunderstandings and joys and interests, and they're not going to be the same. But what we can say is there are these. There is a a center and there's also context that start coming in and meaning things you know meaning I'm left out meaning I'm not part of this meaning I can't keep up meaning all kinds of very potent things that maybe you know aren't intended you know I don't think anybody here is trying to think how can I make somebody's day miserable let me think you know I'll flush the toilet at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I got s- you live with these people who like things neat. I'm going to put my sandal one on one shelf and one on the other shelf. That's going to do somebody's head right in. You know. <laughs> I'm going to. S- where am I going to sit, you know, so that my heavy breathing can kind of <laughs> permeate the room? Or do we sit so kind of tightened up that we might offend or get everybody wrong that we lose our center? You know, and do we kind of keep those antennae primed for may other beings be well? Can I just sensitize? Other people's bodies, other people's sleep patterns, other people's eating. May it be well for you, sister, brother. Work your way with that, you know. And if you do have a thing where you kind of noisy or whatever, well, it's not your fault, but perhaps you sit somewhere where it's going to be easier for others who are sensitive. These kinds of things. We don't wear sense here you know, because people may be chemically sensitive, not lighting incense. Normally we do. Feeling of chemical sensitivity. I like incense, but fine, I can let go of that. You know? So, you know, just this kind of a, a getting the sense of an awareness so we feel at least in, inclinations, intentions are being made to generate a harmonious context. And it's, it's always going to be some unevennesses in it because of different differences, differences of karma, differences of standards, differences of style. So this is how it is. How it always is. You know, our context is never that which is completely agreeable. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know. And it's not just a situational problem. It's not just the location issue or you're having a problem with your partner you can locate these topics in various places 
But I tell you, the basic paradigm is global. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. How do we find a peaceful center in a world, in a context that is inherently not peaceful, not steady state, shifting, wavering, coming, going, too much, too little, too strong, too weak, too loud, too soft? How do we find it? Yeah. First of all, we have to map it out and say, check it out. Is it like this or not? You know, who are we going to blame? God. Start with God. <laughs> In Buddhism, you can't even do that anymore. <laughs> so you blame yourself? No. So you just see what blaming does. It's a blister over pain. You feel pain, this blister forms around it, trying to stop us feeling the pain. Actually, the blister itself gets painful, doesn't it? The blister of blame. How can we experience pain? Loosely speaking, kind of disagreement, discomfort, awkward, embarrassed, not quite right, terribly wrong. Breathing in, breathing out through that. Finding a center within that, generating those qualities of Ease, steadying, good in purifying intent. Something we can purify. We can't purify what has been formed, what has originated, what has been created, what is born, compounded, changing. The Buddha rightly said, this is dukkha. It's not wretched, but it is inherently unstable, unsatisfying. You can't purify that. You can do the best you can with it. And please take the strength to do what the best you can with that. You know, this is not to ignore it. But to get the strength, you're going to find it in your intention, in your center. You gather up the strength and then you, start to, then you can start to send it out. And it could be humbling. And how little one can do first you can't you know maybe you can sit there and your mind is going crazy all we can do is just find a place where you can sit and be with that okay well that's something if you couldn't do that you wouldn't be here but you can do that it's not enough but you can do that <laughs> you can sit with your mind going crazy you're not psychotic so this is the place we we begin we begin with the affirmation of that with going into that what is it that can be here what is it that can maintain presence if it's not you know crystal clear 360 degree it's a one eyed squint through the fog what can do that that's called wisdom (laughs) That's called clarity. That's called knowing. That's called, that's your center, isn't it? And you, you can't, you don't want to downplay that. So don't get lost in the periphery because it's like you've got to strengthen that one eye and exercise it. You get two eyes. You know? It will increase.
But it, it, how the speed at which it increases, you don't really know. You can't predict. But you can know that if you keep doing the right things, it will do so. You can't do less. You don't get stupider. <laughs> but you don't necessarily get more comfortable. <laughs> Comfort. But you can find, within that, you can find a little bit. You know, and that's what you're looking for. The basic, even if your spring is a little spring, not a big spring, can't carry much weight, a little spring, you find there is that. You know, being able to be with the uncomfortable and just not get crushed by it. Oh. Yeah, it's okay, I got through the day. To be with the things not going wonderfully well and clear line progress and everything lining up and not get shattered by that. There's a new day, a new moment, a new breath. Yeah. That's the spring. It takes the weight, it kind of sinks down and it bounces up again. Same for me. You know, most of uh, monastic life, for me, most of monastic life is just taking flack of various kinds, taking pressures. And getting to the end of the day, not having, not having snapped. Chalk it up on the wall. Good day. <laughs> Get to the end of the day, grateful that somebody did something nice today for me wonderful somebody you know said hello somebody smiled somebody offered some food somebody you know well, wonderful didn't have to happen wasn't guaranteed came out of the blue you know grateful for that so always remember these things every little bit so I don't just get lost in one perception of things you know this business meeting of finances going belly up, people going crazy, it's, you know, too much stuff going on, my computer breaking down, a crash loss, three months of work, jeez, I never know how to figure these things out, and I didn't come here for this, and then somebody's got their stupid problems they want me to listen to, and I don't tell them, don't they listen to me? <laughs> I guess, yeah, just steady on. <laughs> Breathing in, breathing out. Okay. Get through. Good day. <laughs> you know. And then some days, then it, some days it's quite, you know, when things don't happen, you feel real springing up. Oh, great, nice. You, know. but you notice sometimes these springs can be quite extended and sometimes just about <laughs> managing it. But you maintain it. And eventually you get the sense of, you know, praise, blame, gain, loss. Yeah, okay, that's not the point. This is easy to say, you know. Very nice and succinct. Win, lose, pleasure, pain, equal to me. <laughs> but, you know, simple teaching, doing it, you know, could have a pretty good spring. To do that. A lot of our practice really is recognizing we can't, even though we can understand these ideas through the head, 
can't do it through the head. It's got to happen another reflex level. I call this holistic sense. It's partly embodied, just having that sense of an inner ground where you can just rest. An empathic sense, something that's saying, you know, as you're getting under stress, oh, oh, you're okay, okay. Be well, be careful with this. Slow, gentle, take it easy now. Be with this. So we're here, we're here. You know, empathic sense, heart sense. And then some, the old head is not completely redundant, just saying, remember all things are important. <laughs> you know, giving a little bit of guidance, just go there. Put that aside for now. Go there. Yeah, but everybody gets that. It's not just you. Yeah, just there. <laughs> you know, the reminders that you carry through. So then, so that the, you know, and as we keep in this context of you know what it is, it, it starts to train us. It starts to squeeze and stretch that spring as you get pushed and squeezed and crushed and extended. You start to feel within the spring this emptiness, but it's not an emptiness of nothing, boring, it's an emptiness of freedom within this current samsara, the waves of it. Now I just kind of float that as a little horn solo, you know, and uh, you know, you can kind of bury in mind or drop it, forget it. But, uh, you know, today just however you are, you know. Very important these uh, first few days when we come here to really, I think the most important thing if I have any system of teaching is first of all, you know, find your center. How you sit, how you go through the day, it takes a while. How you order yourself, how you arrange yourself, how you feel comfortable where you're sitting, position. Getting to feel the breathing breathing out through the belly, lengthening it, strengthening it, letting it fill its fullness, finding that centrality. Mm. Getting to the first aspect of that will probably be the rhythm of breathing and out the energy of it, which is like a, a comforting assurance, comforting sign. Yeah. And as you get into that, you get the long breathing, and then after a while you find that this, is not, this isn't sharp enough. This is, I want to sit at one point. I want to sit, find some place where I can just sit still with this. And then you look around, where does it, where is it strongest for you? Maybe in your belly, maybe in your chest, throat, back, back of your nose, where a particular ring, the, re- the resonance of the breathing strikes really most clearly. It'll be different, sometimes different places, different times for the same person. You know, so maybe sometimes it's belly because in a way something is saying I need some ground, I need to get down, I need anchoring, you know. So you, it's down there. Sometimes it's more obviously physical heart center, very rightly, is is associated with this empathic sense. So we may want to be breathing through the heart. That may be what feels right, where we find ourselves centering. Or maybe in the head. The heads are okay, they're part of what we got. <laughs> and I find myself that, that 
for myself, it's like behind, if you go up the nostrils and the back of the nose, almost behind the eyes, behind the back of the nose, is kind of center there, where you can feel breath energy, and sort of almost like a light pulsing. So you know, you look look around when you when you when you find something, you you get a sense of, I really you know. I feel loose enough, now I want to t- take up some of the slack, strengthen it, tighten it. And you look around for a place where it's starting to gather already, like you follow behind the process, picking up the signs. Picking up the signs. You know, this is too cloudy, this is too sweet, or you know, this is too tight still, so just let it blow for a while. Everything, you know, the center wants to be found. This is why we're here, you know. We may not be able to think this through, but it wants to be found. It's saying, you know, I've been out, you know, zinging around. I want to find a centrality so I can get my life arranged in some way around principles, virtues, practices, something that's going to give me a center. It wants to be found. It's calling for you. So you've got to listen out for the signs. You can't impose one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can, but you know what tends to happen with that is one fragment decides it's going to be the boss fragment and take over the others. You know, get this thing together. Generally, it's the head fragment. More orders here needed here. <laughs> you know, don't like this mess. Head fragment. Says it's going to be the boss fragment. Tell the other fragments how to get in line. Fragments can't do that really. They they can dominate, but they can't arrive at wholeness. So get into the kind of broken up state and find a centre within that by being able to recognise we can be here. We can feel empathy within that. Feel a sense of mercy and tenderness towards ourselves and towards other beings. Feel that genuine aspiration for our welfare. May I be well. May I be free from anxiety, free from depression. May this arrive for me. May this terrible pain find its way to slip away from me, find its way out. So our aspiration is not a demand. An aspiration. And you sense that tune of that aspiration. It's a lovely tune. And it doesn't give up. This is part of your centering, you know. And then the head is just there to be the guide, say, eh, check this out. Listen up there, will you? Just listen to that. Check that out. Put that to one side for the time being. Check out that. This is what you need, you know. It's, it's trying to organize the process for you, but it listens up, organize the process. In terms of steadying, as we cultivate that, we come back to breathing in, breathing out. And then where does that settle? Where is it most alive for me? Where it's most stable for me at this time? It's lovely to even to when the system knows it's being listened to, it starts to perk up. Oh, he's listening to me to all these years. Wow. <laughs> You know, 
And then, that's the, then you, it will start to give you the signs of you know, slow down, relax, you know, or firm up, put that aside. So you get these kind of senses come up. And you follow that. Standing, walking, breathing, sitting. These are the external forms. And within that, you know, this very, kind of very, almost radically simple way of living. (laughs) You know, you're using the simplification to mean that the details of the life can be alleviated from too much pressure, too much intensity. So you have the chance for this 10 days in your life. Hopefully it won't be the first, obviously it won't be the last, probably isn't the first, but using this 10 days is just for the centering of that, finding my center, allowing it to speak and firming up within that. Breathing in, breathing out. You feel the physical signs of that, swelling in the body, movement of pressures, slight brushing of air. You feel the energetic aspects of it, sense of rising and ceasing and coming together and dissolving. They're both important. Try to get the two together so you're not just dissolving all the time, but also forming, brightening up, breathing out. And then the, the emotional sense of it, or the, the felt sense of it, which is, should be aiming towards that which is alive, that which is vital, lively, sparky, light, comfortable, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. When you feel comfortable with yourself, comfortable with your breathing. If those two come together, then there's this sense of a gathering up into what's called joy or rapture, piti. And with this, the centers can start to extend. You get a suffusive experience. But don't, you can't rush it. You've got to follow the process through. Let it, the bud open in its own, its own time. When you're doing walking meditation, walking, try to maintain your sense of center. It's really interesting. You know, there's the sun, the heat, the birds, other people flowing around you. Not ignoring that, but sort of being, feeling yourself within that as if you're carrying a basin of water. And you don't want to sp- spill it. And a basin is situated in your pelvis. You're going to walk along. Don't drop it. <laughs> you know, it's not to be tense about it, because you've got to walk. If you walk tensely, you'll spill. So you flow along with this kind of basin of water in your pelvis, with everything organising itself around that: the legs, the feet, the back organises itself around this inner stability, which is in this centre of the body, abdominal region. 
And as you center in that, actually, you can still see and hear, but it becomes much less intense. You know, it's kind of grayed out, as it were. Not because you're trying to, but just because your attention isn't there. Your attention is on this centrality. And this is a useful way of building up a capacity to be central while aware of a context. Very important. Not to just try and shut off a context, but to be within that. So this is a useful exercise in in orienting to being in without moving out and without contracting. So some instructions for the day in theme and tone and maybe some things you bear in mind. We will start with some group interviews this morning. And uh, Ajahn Mehta and myself both have group interviews. Um, I'll be in room one, room two. I think these are all posted up. 